Unlabeled Leadership is a volunteer service. We appreciate our guests for their stewardship and remarkable stories. We also appreciate listeners like you who back the show with star reviews and contributions. Gary DePaul with Unlabeled Leadership. Welcome to episode, bonus episode 145. Jabba shares examples of cognitive challenges. Here's a shout out to listeners in Lewiston, Maine, Geneva, Illinois, Honolulu, Hawaii, Dallas, Georgia, and Sandy Hook, Connecticut. With that, let's get started. Occasionally, I'll share bonus episodes, which are recordings from between segments of a full episode. If you haven't heard it, you should listen to episode 145 to get to know who Chaba Tolt is. Chaba is the founder and owner of ICQ Global and the author of a book I'm reading right now, Uncommon Sense in Unusual Times. Well worth reading. I highly recommend it. What you're about to listen to are three segments that get to this underlying theme about the way we think can interfere with how we understand one another. Part one, the unglamorous side of entrepreneurs, coaches, therapists, and athletes. Whether leadership or technical functional, there's a lot that goes into developing expertise. In this part, Jabba and I talk about this phenomenon. To begin, here's Jabba. Sometimes when I do workshop, people think, oh, you studied a lot. Well, yes, but I made even more mistakes. Well, that, that's how you get there. Yeah, definitely. But I think nobody talks about these things. The unglamorous side of being an entrepreneur or a coach. And let's be honest, most coaches didn't become coaches because everything was fine. Yeah. <laughs> Probably most of them had issues. They got into coaching, they realized, wait, wait it works. Oh, you can turn it into business. Oh, wait, let's become coaches. That's how a lot of people become therapists is yeah. they struggled with something or they become advocates for a population, you know, like transgender people because they've struggled in this area. It inspires them to be supportive. It's a powerful motivator. Absolutely. And it's hard to feel empathy towards the people that the ones who have a problem that we never experienced. We can feel sorry for those people, but we never understand it completely unless we go through the same thing. Yes. And that is so true. I mean, going back to the entrepreneur, well, not just an entrepreneur, an athlete, you don't see all the struggles. You don't see the breaks. You don't see the getting up at 5 a.m. to practice repetitive foundational moves to make it look seamless when you're in the spotlight. People see the spotlight and they don't understand all the setbacks that happen for that person to achieve to that level. Because that's not glamorous. We just see the, the overnight success, not the 14 years before that. It's sad but true. Part two, Gary's hero is Daryl Davis. Daryl Davis is someone who I greatly admire. I write about him in my book, What the Heck is Leadership and Why Should I Care? To begin, I explain to Jabba who Daryl Davis is. Daryl Davis, I don't know when this was. Maybe it was in the 70s. Amazing person. He did a TEDx Naperville. 
Daryl's a black musician. He's not a psychologist or anything like that. He wanted to get to know someone who was the grand dragon of the KKK and wanted to interview him. He did get that interview under false pretenses. The person didn't know that he was black, but they got to know each other. Daryl actually went to clan meetings. He listened to what they had to say. He did not challenge them. They eventually became, in his words, the best of friends. That clansman gave Daryl his clan's robes that he wore and quit the clan. Over the years, he has made friends with several members of the clan who have left that organization because of their relationship with Daryl Davis. This is where you're just what you were saying earlier about putting your certainty or how you view certainty with something external. It seems that Daryl, in his unique way, helped these people internalize and help them with their fragility with how they view other cultures, other races. I think I saw a documentary about him. I just couldn't remember the name. And I remember even the picture that he's got the ID card. Yeah. And I think there was a conversation in a dining room somewhere. That's exactly the same topic that often those people believe that they are not white, so they are bad. And then they find all the information confirming that fact. As soon as you get to know someone and you realize that, wait, maybe it's not true, mm. then it can change. But it doesn't happen if you just go against them. You say that you are racist, so you're a bad person because you just confirm that, yeah, you are against us. That's the difficult part. But once you get to know people, it is easier. That's how we can bridge that gap. I think that's why he was very good at doing there was a undercover CIA agent, I think, in the US who said that even the terrorists think that they are the good guys. That makes sense. It was such an amazing sentence. And, and you know, once you find out why they do what they do, often it's hard to argue with that. It doesn't justify it, but you understand why they are so angry. Maybe that's why some people say that if you know people who are ingrained in a political perspective different from yours, one of the best things you could do is listen, talk about some of the commonalities and get to know them for them to see that, like you said a little bit ago, to get them to question their perspective isn't as accurate because when you're listening and interacting with this person, you're showing them that you're not all the things that they think you are. It enables some seeds of doubt and looking at things in a different way, but doing so in a way that is non-threatening. I think the keywords are really important that you talk about doubt and, and being wrong and things like that. And those are kind of scary things. Mm. I would rather find out if I can see the situation even more clearly. That's a much more positive approach. When was the last time that, for example, you heard two people talk about politics, people who voted for different presidents? And then they were really interested in understanding the other person. Or instead of that, they just wanted to go for blood and then prove them wrong. Yeah, but, yeah, but, but what about, yeah, what about? They never find a common ground. And to make it worse, nowadays, you don't even know what is really true and what is not. Before, at least, it was easier to find a common ground because most of the things were based on facts. And now, I think with the, the development of technology, soon we have no idea. If you watch a video, you think it's real. It used to be real. Now with the deep fake, you don't know. Give it a few years and it's identical. 
And with social media, when you're receiving the same message over and over and over again, you begin to believe that it's true, whether it's true or not. Especially with the Cambridge Analytica scandal, that they could profile people, they knew the trigger point, and then the people thought that they were the champions of justice and they knew the truth and they had the freedom of choice. In reality, no, they were manipulated. Mm. That is scary. Yeah. So our topic is, is exactly like that. The more you understand yourself, the more you understand other people, the more successful you can be. You know, for example, I wrote an article about this and the title was something about the two questions. And so far, nobody could say yes to both of them. The first question was, can you disagree with someone without feeling that you are more or less than them? Some people can say yes. But the second one, do you know yourself better than the social media algorithms and the people who are trained to take advantage of you? Wow. And if somebody can say yes to that, I think they're just lacking self-awareness. Nowadays, it's pretty impossible. And it's equally terrifying and motivating to get into personal development. Part three, good news doesn't sell. In this part, Jabba and I get into a discussion about cognitive dissonance Cognitive dissonance is that uncomfortable feeling we get when we have contradictory thoughts or ideas that are competing with one another. While that's a simple definition, the concept is much more complicated, and maybe I'll have an episode just on cognitive dissonance and some of the cognitive biases. I begin the discussion. It's incredible the biases that we experience because of the news the movies and and even this perception that with the news you have to share all these negative stories the perception is that's what sells versus sharing all the good that goes on and it it would be interesting to see if there's a, a news channel that actually focused on more on the positive what an amazing thing that would be an experiment too i think that would be a sales channel not news channel because <laughs> probably that's what people do but you know learning is emotional and fear is the strongest emotion. So that's why they use that, because that generates attention, and attention is a currency. And drama is a machine to generate it. Good news doesn't sell. Yeah. I don't know if this is the right word. What, what do you think? It's addictive? I mean, it's addictive because you learn about the news. You learn about the potential threats. So you think that you're doing the right thing because you are learning about the dangers. So now you can avoid them. But in reality, we just get depressed. It becomes a filter. And then the problem is that the brain is like Google. You find what you're looking for. If you're looking for danger, you're looking for problems, you're looking for bad people, that's exactly what you're going to find. If you're looking for good people and good news, that's what we find. But because we are running on autopilot and we are conditioned by media and the newspaper and, of course, negative people, then automatically we think that we don't have a choice and the world is bad. That reminds me just, again, how the brain works. If we get conflicting information, our brains have trouble processing that. We want things to be known. We want to fill in the gaps where there are gaps. If we're told one of our favorite movie stars does something bad, well, in our minds, we might justify it and rationalize it because we want to think of that person as good. The brain is an amazing thing. We just dismiss it completely. Cognitive dissonance is real. It's really powerful. And whatever happens, we distort it, we generalize it, or we delete it until it fits in. It doesn't make it real, but at least it feels good. In college, when I studied cognitive dissonance, things like fundamental attribution error, I really did not understand how pervasive it is. 
I've heard a neuroscientist that did some research with organizations and found that the more intelligent a person is, the more likely they're unaware of their biases. It's almost like the positive version of the Dunning-Kruger effect. The less you know, the more confident you are. My thanks to Jabba Tol. If you'd like to learn more about Jabba, go to the show notes. And if you have a question or comment, go to unlabeledleadership.com, click the message icon, and you can leave a voicemail message for me. I'd like to thank those who donate to the show. Your contributions makes a difference because this is an all-volunteer service. I'd like to thank you for listening. This is Gary DePaul. Until next time, lead on.